All right, Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to look at Peter's life again from a little different perspective. And although I won't be preaching next week, it'll be the week after, we're going to look at Peter's life from one more uh, perspective after that. Then we may be getting into the book of 1 Peter once we learn a little bit about Peter himself. Uh, so, uh, Luke 22, we're going to look at verses 31 to 34, we'll kind of move on from, from there. Uh, if we're going to title the message, it's going to be Simon Peter, Sifted, Sustained, and Then Serving. Uh, now, this is the account of, uh, of, of what a pastor heard in a pastor's ministry, uh, they were at this retreat, pastor's ministry thing, and, and they were receiving, uh, you know, listening to different interviews of different men. And one of the men there told, told his life story, and this is how it went, kind of condensed, okay? He, he was married, then he got divorced, then he married somebody else, then he got divorced. He married yet somebody else and got divorced. Then he had gotten saved and went back and married his first wife. Okay, now that, that actually happened to somebody. Uh, now the end result was great, but that was a long way around, right? I mean, that, that was quite the, quite the journey there. Uh, you'll find sometimes that uh, in your discipleship journey, in your relationship with the Lord, uh, things are going to happen that you'll end up taking that kind of journey. It'll be kind of the long way around. Uh, now, we know quite a bit about Peter, uh, he is uh, called the, maybe the chief disciple by some. He is a key disciple. He was part of the, of the inner three, at least. Um, and, and, but he was such a seesaw kind of guy. I mean, wasn't he? I mean, he was up and he was down and he was right and he was wrong. I mean, one moment he is climbing out of the boat. He is walking on the water. And the next moment he is taking a swim. Uh, one moment he is uh, stating again one of the most profound theological statements in all of scripture, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, and the next moment Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, you remind me a lot of Satan. One moment he is faithfully declaring that even if everyone falls away from you, Lord, I will not. I will follow you if nobody else follows you. I will follow you even unto death. And yet he denies Jesus three times. Okay, that's, that's, that's Peter. He is so very human, but yet he has so much potential. We're going to look at uh, three passages first starting here in Luke 22 that, that show again the life of Peter as, as it unfolds. In Luke 22, find, uh, find verse 31. Okay, 31. Let's read down to verse 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt uh, thrice deny that thou knowest me. I want you to drop down to verse 54. Down to verse 54. Read to verse 62. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. 
And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. And a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, and how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now it's easy to, to idolize some people. I mean, whether it's a sports figure or, or a celebrity, I mean, they're, they're superstars. They're the person of the hour, but, but when enough time passes and enough information comes out on them, you find that, that they're, they're very real. That the, that the shine comes off of them. They're just ordinary people with ordinary problems. And sometimes we can do the same thing with, with, with people in, in Scripture. We think that, boy, I mean, this is Peter, and, and he walked on the water, and he got to preach, and 3,000 were saved. But we forget that he is an ordinary guy. We might look at him as some kind of spiritual superstar, but at heart they were ordinary men. Men with faults and weaknesses and sins just like us. Peter is an ordinary man who is sifted by Satan. And remember that Satan had to get, like we talked about last week, Satan had to get God's permission before he did anything to Peter, but... But Peter was so self-confident. He was so sure in his own resolve, in his own strength. Lord, I am ready. I am ready. I will go with you to prison and to death. Even if everybody else falls away on account of you, Lord, I never will. I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to walk with you. No, I alone am stronger than everybody else. I will walk with you no matter what it takes, even if I'm the only one. And by the way, Lord, I probably will be the only one, but I'll be there with you and I'll not deny you. I'm strong enough to take whatever, what, Lord, whatever walking with you has to dish out, I'm your man. I can take it. See, no way was he thinking he was going to let Jesus down. But unfortunately, Peter hasn't recognized the big picture. I mean, we all want to stand for Jesus. We really do. We really want to live for Christ. But we often have no idea what that means or what it's going to cost us to do that. We fail because we lack in prayer. We understand, if we understand, the urgency, if we understand what is at stake, if we understand the value of what's on the line, then staying awake to pray is very doable. But our lack of prayer shows our lack of understanding of the seriousness of the situation. We sin because we lack a motivation to live close to Jesus. We question the value of the sacrifice that it takes to live a holy life. We're tempted because we lack watchfulness. We get lazy. Life is mundane. We get cocky. We get overconfident in our own strength and we let down our guard. 
See, it's not, it's not God's fault for making life too hard. It's our fault for not trusting that he will also bring us through that time and we let down our guard and the rooster crows. How do you think, after the rooster crows, how do you think Peter's feeling at that moment? We, we know that he went out and he wept bitterly. It had to be more than awkward, that, that lump in the throat, that, that knot in his gut, that, that sense of dread and despair that came pouring over him. Look in John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, you remember the context, uh, Peter not really knowing what to do decides to go back fishing and the other disciples go with them, they don't catch anything, but just like Jesus did in Luke 5, uh, Jesus gives them some fishing advice and it's followed, uh, but find uh, chapter 21, John 21, find verse 15. Said, so when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, uh, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he, was, uh, and when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Now, this is still the same Peter. You remember that, 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 that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me with that sacrificial love? And Peter just can't rise, raise himself up to that and say, yes, Lord, I do. So, so he takes it down a notch and finally Jesus meets him right there and it grieves Peter because he realizes that, that, that he's, he's not as confident and cocksure as he was before. So I just don't know, but Lord, you know, you know this. Now let's uh, remember that by the time we reach John 21, it's been you know, a week and a half to maybe two and a half weeks uh, since the resurrection. Now, now go back to the courtyard for a moment. Peter has just denied Jesus three times. And at that moment, Jesus turned and he looked straight at Peter. And what do you think that look might have been that was on Jesus' face? Was it that, I told you so, look? Do you think Jesus would have done that? Was it that, I am so disappointed, Peter? you think it was that look? Do you think it was, Peter, I knew you would fail. I knew you would blow it. Do you think it was that look? It had to be the, I saw this coming. I saw this coming and I prayed for you. 
I saw this coming and I prayed for you so that your faith would not fail. It was that kind of look. Jesus would show nothing but love to Peter. He says, yes, you have failed me, but, you, but, 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 but I will never fail you, and your failure doesn't need to be final. I will see you through this. I will walk you through this. And as a result of this look, Peter was able to get through the shame of his failure. We'll see that Peter had to feel the weight of his shame. He had to own up. He had to take responsibility for his failure. But when he did, then that fireside chat here, it made restoration possible. See, in John 21, we read about the seven disciples who go out fishing. Uh, you know, they've caught nothing. The man on the shore, they don't realize is it, that it's Jesus, tells them to cast a net on the, on the other side, and then they get this miraculous catch, and then they realize it's the Lord, and Peter puts on his, 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 his cloak, and, and he swims to shore fully clothed. He's now not ashamed to stand before his Savior. He knows that the gaze he saw at the betrayal was a loving gaze. It was a careful uh, calculated, I'm going to be with you sort of gaze, and it's the I never will fail you sort of gaze. But at that fireside, there, there was some, some unresolved tension. I mean, let, let's, let's not, not pad it here. Peter denied Jesus three times when he had three opportunities to claim the name of Christ, to stand up with Christ, and he did not. He has lost credibility among his other, other disciples. Uh, so Jesus asked him three times. That's not an accident. G- Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked him three times, where's your priority? Where's your commitment? Where is your love? And he says, do you love me more than these? Let's remember that... Um, those seven disciples out fishing. Let's remember that Peter had so not long ago adamantly proclaimed that if everyone else fails, I'll walk with you. If everybody else abandons you, I'll be there. Let's remember that Peter has denied his Savior despite that claim to walk with him, even if it means Peter's death. So is is Jesus asking Peter if he loves him more than these fish? I don't I don't think so. Now Peter, although he he went fishing, he he never showed a desire to return to his old life. Now, is, is Jesus asking if Peter loves him more than Peter loves the other disciples? I don't think it's that either. It doesn't fit, it doesn't fit the context. I think what, what, what Jesus is asking and, and what best fits the context here and the context of Peter's life and, 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 and what has happened is this. Do you love me? More than these disciples love me. More than these other disciples love me. That's what Peter said before he denied Christ, right? I will be the one to walk with you. I will be the one to go to prison with you. I will be the one to go to death if that's what's necessary. He says, I will never leave you. Now that's some pretty serious love. That's some loving commitment. Now, now, what is Jesus doing here? 
Jesus is trying to show Peter the way to be restored. Do you love me with a greater love and a greater commitment than all these other disciples do like you said before? Do you, do you still see yourself as being more faithful than the rest? And that is why Peter can't answer with the same word for love that Jesus used. Because Peter doesn't think he does. I mean, how could Peter think that he loves Jesus that much? He had just denied him three times. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I think Peter knows that he can't understand his own heart. He can't understand how at the beginning of the evening he was so sure and by the end of that time uh, everything had fallen apart and he was scared to death. He can't understand where where the recipe for the failure came from. So he turns to the only thing that he knows is secure. And that's the knowledge of Christ. He says, Lord, you know. I'm afraid to say, but, but you know that I love you. You know whether I love you. You know how bitterly I wept when the crow of the rooster pierced my ears. You know the tears which flooded from my eyes as each dreadful moment passed before me again and again and again. Lord, you know. I don't know. I can't trust myself anymore. But you know. Look, beloved, can I call you beloved? I don't call you beloved very often. It's kind of weird. But you are. The Lord knows how frail you are. He knows how weak. He knows how very weak you are. He sees the times when your good intentions dissolve into mist. He sees that. He sees when you promise him and you promise yourself that you would never do it again and yet you do it again. He realizes how, how much you, you, you love him and, and, and how you want to serve him and how you wish you could do better and, and how it eats at your soul every time you look in the mirror and see the same person that failed the Lord yet again. He he understands that. He's observed the times you cried when you realized that in the process of disciplining the child that you say you love, that you went too far. He heard the harsh words you spoke to your spouse that now breaks your heart and you wish with everything that you could take him back. He understands the disappointment And the shame you feel with yourself when you don't stand up for him at work. He appreciates the disappointment you have that that sin that you've been struggling with for so long just seems to have its claws so deep in you. He he shares your heartache when life seems to go all wrong and the harder you try, the worse it gets. See, the Lord knows The Lord knows these things. That is why he went to the cross on the very day that Peter denied the Lord. The Lord went to the cross. 
He was silent in the face of the false accusers. He took the beatings. He endured the humiliation and the shame. He let himself be condemned by the Roman courts. He carried his cross to death. He endured the nails. He he surrendered to the wrath of God. Anger so intense being poured out on the only one that never deserved it. He did all of this because he knows what we're like. He knows our greatest need is him. And he knows that we will be sifted. We need to be. The worthless, the, 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 the waste of our life needs to be removed. Jesus knows that, he, that, 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 that we will need to be sustained through that sifting. He knows this because he'll be the one doing the sustaining of us. Jesus does this because he has a bigger plan for us in mind. There, there is ministry. There, there is service for us to do that will only come to us after we have been sifted and Jesus is sustaining us. quick context if you want to turn to Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, Pentecost has occurred. Um, Peter has preached on several occasions. Thousands have been saved and baptized. People are being healed. And then they're arrested and then they are questioned for it. In Acts chapter 4, find, uh, find verse 8. Let's read verse 8 to 13. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, the ones that arrested him, the leaders, the rulers, of the people and elders of Israel, verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed done of the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Verse 11, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You drop down to verse 18. Verse 18 says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which, have been, which, which we have seen and heard. That's a huge change from a denial to a seaside breakfast. So now we have Peter who is empowered and is serving. We may be weak and ignorant, 
We may be un, un, unstable and failing in many things, but we can still be real and we can be sincere. We may not feel as if we're justified in the sight of God, but if we've trusted Jesus to save us, we are no matter what we feel. We may not feel sanctified, but if we have trusted Jesus to save us, then we are no matter how we feel. There are even... there's. There may even be a sense in which we feel that the grace of God is just not close to us anymore. But if Jesus has saved us, then that grace is so very close, whether we feel it or not. But, but ask us if we love Christ. And you, you know, sometimes it's like, I... Because I know what I've, what I've done. I know what I've thought. Do I really love Jesus? Sometimes all we can do is say, Lord, you know. See, that's, that's Peter. An ordinary man who now serves Christ with power. No longer does he allow the thoughts and reactions of others to rule his commitment to God. No longer does he care if others accept him or approve of him or not. The Lord now is his only focus. And Acts 4 has Peter standing before Annas and Caiaphas, the two men most responsible, humanly speaking, the most responsible for having Jesus condemned in the Jewish courts and then sent to Pontius Pilate and then having him crucified. They're, humanly speaking, the two most responsible for that. Is he afraid now? Is he silent now? Does he deny Christ now? Never. Or at least, never again. Instead, we see him condemning those who rejected Christ. And Peter will go on from this point to serve Jesus for another three decades. Thirty more years of life he serves. And and his service will end, which according to tradition, that's not in scripture, but according to tradition, he was crucified, like we said last week, upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like Christ. So we find Peter being sifted and we find Peter being sustained by Christ and we find him serving. For all the disciples of Christ, this has to happen. It's just the way God wants it done. He could do it without this process, but this, is, this yields the results that God wants. God is the master of, of bringing faithfulness out of our failure. Now, Peter did fail. Let's make no mistake about that. But, but he died, though. He died a faithful servant of his Lord and Savior. So let's ask ourselves some obvious questions as we wrap this up. Have we fallen? Of course we have. We can't count the falls we have made. Have we also seen God raise us up to restoration? Of course we have. Time and time and time again. If he has done it for Peter and he is doing it for us, then 
then we too can be a faithful follower of Christ. We can serve him until the day we die, making more disciples and more disciples and more disciples. We are the ones who can come and tell from our own experience what an evil and bitter thing sin is. We are the ones who should be cautioning against the enticement of temptation. We should be the ones who warn against the pride of self-belief and self-confidence. But more importantly, we are the ones who can tell of Christ's grace. We are the ones who can tell of Christ's compassion. We are the ones who can deal humbly and meekly and gently with those who have fallen, remembering that what, 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 what we ourselves have gone through. Why did Peter bring, God bring Peter through this ordeal? It's because it was the best way to ready Peter for the service, for the battle that was ahead of him. Now, why does God allow such testing to occur? I don't know. And we may never get an answer to that kind of question. But the answer is really not the most important thing. The most important thing to ask is, what are we going to do now? Will we allow our failure to sideline us, or will we accept that God can work through us, even through our failures, and he can bring us to restoration, and he can sustain us through that, and he can empower us to serve him greater than before our fall? As followers, disciples, called by the Lord, we, we can be confident that there are times we will be sifted. Satan will have permission, and he will do only but everything that God allows him to do. We can be confident that God will use this time to draw us closer to himself, whether we fail and need to be upheld by his grace, or whether we allow the grace of the Lord to help us succeed in our faithfulness through our failure and then serve him from then on. Uh, Remember Judas? He had no heart for God. Selfish, self-ambitious, zero repentance, no contrition. But here we see Peter, who openly denied Jesus three times, and yet Jesus was he Peter Peter had that 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 brokenness, the contriteness that drew him to God, and 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 Jesus used him. Thousands upon thousands were saved, and the gospel spread because Peter allowed himself to feel the weight of the shame and and allow the Lord to work in him to restore him and empower him to serve. The last question, the last question. Will you let Jesus do that for you? Will you let Jesus do that for you? Stand with your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed. Father, we want to thank you for what we see in Peter's life, his, his example, 
And Lord, we understand that you know, he was a disciple. He was an apostle personally called by you. We know that that office has, has been fulfilled. It's no longer active today. But, the Lord, we are disciples of you. We are followers of you. And Lord, if Peter, who could reach out and touch you, if, if he could talk to you face to face, and yet, Lord, he could fail you and be restored to such as he was. Lord, that tells us that there is hope for us, that there is encouragement for us. And Lord, you understand. While you don't condone, Lord, you understand. You know our frame that we are but dust. You know our weakness. You know that, that our flesh is anesthetized to spiritual things. You know what sin has done to us. You know how it has ravaged us. Lord, you understand. And I want to thank you for being so gracious and so merciful to us. And I pray, Father, that when that sifting comes, that we respond like Peter that our complete dependence is upon you. And we allow you to encourage, to lift up, to edify, to restore us, and then empower us to serve in whatever capacity you choose. Thank you, Father, that if there is hope for Peter, there's hope for us. And may that be the encouragement that is meant to be through your word and by your spirit. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead?